Hello everyone and welcome to the Omega Metroid Podcast. My name is Andy Spateria, joined this week by Doominal Crossing. Doom, how are you? Thanks for coming on and, uh, and hanging out with me today, man. Hey, no problem. You know I always enjoy doing these things. Thanks for bringing me on again, Andy. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on and chat, and we have got a lot of chatting to do today, my friend. We are back with a definitive ranking, but I feel like maybe before we get there, we should uh, take a second and talk about our friends over at Shine Sparkers, who just had the big reveal that uh, Harmony of the Hunter Returns, the latest Harmony of the Hunter uh, album, is coming out on August the 6th. Dude, I'm hyped for this. You make music. You must be hyped for this. Oh, I'm super excited. I've been a huge fan of the Harmony projects ever since the first one, which I believe came out on Metroid's 20... Or no, no, the 30th anniversary, I believe. Or was it before that? I can't remember. I can't remember. It was on... The original Harmony of the Hunter was on one of Metroid's big anniversaries. It might have been the 25th mm-hmm. or the 30th anniversary. Um, I think it was the 25th, I think. Okay. All right. Don't quote me on that. Sorry. Sorry if Don't I... Don't quote me either. <laughs> so, sorry if I mess that up, Gladrax. But <laughs> anyways, yeah, I've uh, I've listened to uh, not just the Metroid versions, but also the Harmony of a Heroes album, which covers uh, mm-hmm. the Smash Brothers series. And of course, Harmony of a Champion, which believe it or not, that's actually my favorite of the Harmony albums so far. And, I'm not, and that's a Pokemon remix album. And I'm not even that much of a Pokemon fan, but I really enjoyed the music and the kind of progressive storytelling that that album did. So I'm just a huge fan of this big uh, community collaborative effort and happy to see it revisiting Metroid again and coming up very soon in just a couple weeks on August 6th. Really looking forward yeah. to that. I mean, that at the time of uh, of this recording, this is like two weeks away. Oh, yeah. It's like maybe, maybe not even. So yeah, we're going to be listening to this uh, very soon. So very excited. I, I've said this on the show before, but like I usually just like, play albums of or sometimes i'll just play like video game soundtracks at work or like i'll listen to radio Cutman. so I'm, I'm pretty jazzed to have like a new kind of background uh you know record going on while i'm while i'm doing my thing in the office so yeah very much looking forward to that august 6th uh of course that is from our pals over at shine sparkers so that's gonna be very cool uh darren kerwin one of the one of the heads of shine sparkers this guy had a hand in the am2r soundtrack which is like Legit one of my favorite Metroid soundtracks ever, so I feel like, you know, this is this is going to be good. AM2R is pretty amazing and might be related to our main topic today. You, you're you good, man. I was just about to segue and you beat me to that segue. <laughs> yeah, that's the, power, that's the power of the speed booster right there. <laughs> yeah, he shine sparked right over me. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That is a nice little uh, transition into what we are here to talk about today. Of course, the world is still... Hyped up over Metroid Dread, but we're going to dial it back this week and we're going to take a look into the past, into the long past. We're going back 30 years and we are talking about Metroid 2 Return of Samus for the Game Boy. Not the Game Boy Advance or the Game Boy Color, the OG Game Boy. Um, We are doing a definitive ranking of this game. We have never talked about this game on the show before, so I'm excited to get in. Doom, I have a question for you. All right, hit me. Were were you born when this game released? No, I was born a year before Super Metroid came out in 93. So I so this game beat me by just a couple of years. So I I'm older than you. So I was um 3 years old when this game came out, which is wild to think that uh, this game is as old as I am pretty much. So I, I you know, I went back 
and I replayed it. I bought it on my 3DS, and I really encourage everybody that is listening to this, if you do not own this game, um, go pick it up on the 3DS. It's like it's like five bucks, and rumor and innuendo is is that the um, the servers are going to be shutting down for the 3DS and Wii U soon. I think that the the Japanese eShop stopped accepting credit cards. So if you're thinking about getting this game and you're on the fence, do it sooner rather than later because you never know when those servers are going to close. But uh, yeah, I had a good time um, just going through and, and replaying this. And of course, you know, this is not AM2R. It's not Samus Returns. But I think that I think that in its own way, it really holds up. But uh, of course, we are going to run through. We're going to break it down by 10 distinct categories here and doom and i are going to score it um on a scale of one to five we're going to talk about the world and atmosphere the art style the story the pacing and progression the gameplay and combat the items the areas the enemies and bosses the expansions and the music and sound design so doom we have like a ton a ton of stuff to get into here so should we just should we just like jump right in here yeah let's let's do it we have a quite a laundry list to go over right here so yeah well let us let us start off with maybe the most important um, element of a Metroid game, at least for me, and that's kind of the atmosphere, the ambiance, the vibe of the Metroid game. Some of them, I would even say most of them, really excel in this area, and I think that Metroid Two is no different. Um, and I guess I should preface what what I'm gonna say for this whole episode with the way that I tried to rank this game, because I mean, obviously, almost all of this game is it's it's super outdated right i mean this is a 30 year old game so i tried to go in with a mixture of i'm ranking it based on a how it holds up today but more so b in context back in 1991 how this game was kind of you know blazing the trail back then so my rankings are kind of a mixture of that um so i just wanted to be clear with that going forward because some of my scores might seem a little bit high and ridiculous if someone is playing this for the first time and just being like what is this guy smoking but I think that it's important to put context into you know into this game and how old it is and, and what what was going on with video games especially on the Game Boy 30 years ago so that being said I think that for atmosphere in this game I'm going to give it a three um, I, I think that a lot of people have talked about how they really liked like the dark black backgrounds and it added a sense of creepiness and that the small screen kind of made you feel very enclosed. And I actually agree with that. It's very claustrophobic, um, easy to get lost. So I, I think that this game really kind of maximizes what, what it has to work with. I mean, of course, I'm not going to go ahead and give it a five because it would be better if there were, you know, color. Um, it would be better with some quality of life you know, just touch-ups to the world and, and everything like that to make it really feel immersive. But I think working with what they had, the the black backgrounds kind of, they makes it really foreboding. And um, it feels like it's, the SR388 feels dangerous to me in this game. And, and I feel like that's, uh, that's no small feat for a game, you know, as old as this. So yeah, I'm going three. Going three, interesting. I have a I have a slightly different take on this. So I, I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna go higher. I'm gonna give this one a four actually for world and atmosphere, um, which is uh, interesting because I um, <laughs> Metroid Two is uh, the first Metroid game I ever played. I believe I told this story on the uh, the first my first appearance, but I only played it for like thirty minutes. I didn't quite I didn't quite get it. It wasn't until Metroid Prime where I like really started to understand Metroid. And 
eventually, like, I think I was in high school when eventually I bought a copy of the game for myself and finally replayed it myself all those years later. But the thing about Metroid 2 is I think this might be one of my favorite examples of a development team using the limitations of a hardware to shape unique conventions. And that absolutely shines, I think, in the atmosphere um, of this game. Whether um, and and it's kind of weird because this also this tackles on like multiple of the bullet points the atmosphere because it also combines with the sound design and the enemies and the progression and all that it kind of all contributes to the atmosphere of this game, particularly the enemies and that and this really, and this really shines through with the hardware limitations because as you progress further and further into the game you encounter less and less of the standard enemies only encountering those Metroids as they continue to evolve. And it gives the impression that they're becoming the dominant species in the hierarchy and the food chain. And it, and uh, for lack of a better word, it creates this impending sense of dread, wink, wink. There you go. As you, uh, as you move throughout the game. And, and I don't think if this game was originated on more powerful hardware, we would have gotten something like that. And, and, and it definitely rings true to me. Um, you know, playing Samus Returns, obviously that's not the game we're talking about, but, you know, as you progress through that game, uh, it doesn't have, because the, th- the yeah, because the 3DS doesn't have those limitations, you know, you still have mm-hmm. enemies regularly popping up, even in the end game after you defeat the Queen Metroid, you know, you're still fending off enemies left and right, and whether whether or not the diminishing enemies was intentional or not, I really think it just adds that much more, you know, to the world building that Metroid 2 offers. Hmm. That's so four. Okay. I I can you know what I can dig that actually. And I remember when Samus Returns came out, there was a lot of criticism from people being like, "This game is too colorful," and "This game is too." Yeah, and I and I like whatever. Samus Returns. It's a fantastic I do game. Too. Yeah. I I think that it's awesome. But and and I wouldn't criticize it for that at all. But I do think like what you said, like this game really, like it turns. Uh, I was going to say chicken, you know what, into chicken salad here, but it really does a great job of like, it's like, okay, we have these limitations. How can we make them work for us instead of us working for them? And I think that the small screen, the black backgrounds, it does create kind of a, a sense of just, it feels like you're suffocating, especially as you go deeper and deeper into the world. And, you know, the, the platforms and the, the vertical hallways in this game are incredibly small and they're incredibly long and like it's uh it's just a very like suffocating game and i feel like for at least when i was playing you you always feel like god what is what's next around the corner and like you you're always on guard and i feel like that's kind of what this game needed so yeah i think that this really did a good job with you know with what it had to work with i don't know that i would rank it above am2r or samus returns for atmosphere but i mean that's not really even fair but uh, yeah, I mean, chicken, you know, chicken into chicken salad. Yeah, I'm not sure if I would rank it above those two games. It's just that the atmosphere in this game just feels so unique compared to other games. There isn't really any other Metroid game that has really done environmental storytelling like Metroid 2. And so that's and that's always stood out to me ever since um, mm-hmm. ever since I completed it about a decade ago now. Um, all right, well, so we got, we're off to a good start here so far. We got, uh, we got a three and we got a four. Let's go over to the art style here. Um, I'm going to give this one a three as well. I think that the sprite work looks really great actually for the Metroids, for Samus's ship, for Samus herself. 
Um, a lot of that looks really, really good. I think that the the overall world is kind of uh, it's okay. Like it's okay, but again, this is on the Game Boy, which you know is is a relic at this point. So it's uh, it's using it, it's doing what it can. But yeah, I, I think that the sprite work here is really strong. Um, the sprites, even like the when you see the um, the plasma beam and the ice beam and stuff like that, like those sprites just look the same as they do in Super Metroid, which I think is cool. So I think that uh, I think that this is a solid three for me. I think that they did a really good job with what they had. And I don't know, I, I, I could almost be convinced to go higher now that I'm speaking, because I, I, I do think that all the sprites are, like, really impressive, and, like, all the enemies look really cool. So, I, I don't know, go ahead, dude, maybe I could be swayed here. Uh, I'm not going to be swaying you, I completely agree. Three is going to be my ranking as well for art style. Um, like you said, for the time, the sprite work is really cool. The fact that they were able to cram all of this on a Game Boy cartridge, like, those things cannot hold... A lot of memory. I mean, look at um, the the original Super Mario Land. Um, Super Mario Land 2 significant improvement, but that first Super Mario Land, like you can really see the limitations of that Game Boy cartridge mm -hmm. showing. And this game, I believe, it, it either came out the same year, or just a year after. I, I think I'm pretty sure it was a year after, if I remember correctly. But um, but yeah, the fact that they were able to do all that in a Game Boy cartridge, incredible. Obviously, a lot of it doesn't hold up just because of that limited color palette and just, you know, the, the natural limitations of the hardware. Uh, I will say uh, the hand-drawn art for this game is absolutely gorgeous. I love looking at the promotional art for the Metroids and Samus and with her now iconic design with those. Um, yeah. and, and that's actually, you know what, going back to the sprite work, that those that's another thing we can actually uh, thank the limitations of the Game Boy for. Um, that lack of color is why Samus got those pauldrons on that various suit, which is, like, synonymous with her look now. If it, if it weren't for those Game Boy limitations, like, Samus would probably look significantly di different today. And so, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible that something like that is responsible for making an iconic feature of an iconic Nintendo character. Yeah, uh, you, you totally, you totally nailed that. You know, I... I was talking about the sprite work for Samus and her ship and stuff, but also, like, God, these Chozo statues just look absolutely incredible. The Metroid eggs look incredible. And I should have taken this into account, but I didn't in that just amazing promotional artwork. This is, like, such a cool cover to this game. And, of course, it's been redone in Samus Returns. But this is, like, this is really great artwork. I'm uh, I'm a fan of this. I, I think that, again, like, it... I think that this is one of the things that you can look to and say like, okay, this still holds up. Like this looks pretty good still in, in 2021, 30 years later. So yeah, I think that this is, uh, you know, again, doing really good for what they had to work with at the time. You know, it's funny that they never poured this over to Game Boy Color, kind of like what they did with Link's Awakening. You well, would have thought that they would have done this. I believe there was originally a Metroid 2 DX that was originally planned in the same vein as, um, as the, um, as the Link's Awakening version. But for some reason, it was scrapped. I know. I know. At the very least, there's um, there is a color palette available that you can do. It's obviously not as in depth as like Link's Awakening, but like, mm -hmm. I believe I believe like the lava appears blue in Samus's suit. Will go from like, I believe the power suit is yellow and the various suit is red. I actually really like the the red and yellow various suit design. It's pretty cool. There's like, there was a, a keychain that was a GameStop pre-order bonus for um, Samus Returns, and it's that original. That original various suit design, but in color, and it looks oh, I so cool. I wish that I wish it was a Smash Palace swap. 
but oh that'd be awesome i'm gonna age myself here so i had a super game boy for my super nintendo so like uh i have a super game boy as well (laughs) oh yeah it's like when you put in the super game boy sometimes it would like add colors Mm -hmm. that weren't there in like the cartridge so like maybe i should fire this bad boy up i don't know if i actually still have my my connection cables for my super nintendo but i definitely still have the cartridge for metro 2 and i definitely still have my super game boy so maybe i should fire this up i remember you could do like the cool borders and stuff around uh the games and stuff too yeah, I, I, I'm actually looking at my drawer right now where my uh, Super NES is collecting dust, and I definitely have <laughs> definitely have a copy of Metroid 2 and uh, Super Game Boy. So, I don't know, maybe maybe I'll fire it up uh, after this episode is done. There you go. Um, well, let's, let's keep it rolling here, because we still got a lot to go over. And let's talk about the story of this game. Doom, I've went first the last couple times, so I'll let you kind of take the lead here. What do you think about the story? All right, um... Not not too much to say here. I'm going to give this one another three. The story is mostly background with some significant, some small significant elements that become major factors as the series progresses later on. But in the context of Metroid 2, it's overall a pretty base experience. I think you've talked about story versus lore before, and I think overall Metroid 2, the lore that's introduced is ultimately really interesting. But again, most of it doesn't really come into play until later entries. Metroid 2 in a bubble, it's, I don't know, for me at least, you know, it's not it's not a bad story, I mean, you know, but, you know, it's just kind of a background element. It's just an excuse to get Samus on the planet and have her blast some stuff, really. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go the other way, actually. I'm going to give this one a 4. Okay. And I'm giving it a 4 because, for me, I think that there's, like, a surprising amount of story in this game. And you've got to understand, like, the, the first couple Game Boy games... We're talking, like, Super Mario Land, and we're talking, uh, like, Kirby and stuff like that, or Tetris. So, like, those games, Super Mario Land is like, Daisy gets captured, go. Whereas this one, I can see what you're saying. Like, it's it's the basic premise of, like, go eliminate all the Metroids and go. But, like, I feel like the way that the game ends with Samus getting the baby Metroid, and then that has, obviously, huge implications for the rest of the, steer- of the series that is still being felt to this day, 30 years later. Um, I think that that's really cool. I think that, and this kind of touches on the areas and stuff as well, but like I think the the areas in this game tell a little bit of a cool story. Um, probably not as as much of a story as they're able to tell with the remakes, but I, I like seeing like all the Chozo stuff in that area. Um, you know, before I had played Samus Returns, before I had played AM2R, I was like, oh, okay, well, this, this must be where like, the Chozo lived, because there are these Chozo statues everywhere. So that always stuck with me. Um, and yeah, I, I think that just for like the impact that this game's story has had on the series ever since this came out, um, I would give it a four, because it's it's not often that you would see like a really important piece of the story taking place on a Game Boy game. Like To, to me, in my mind, a lot of these, these games that came out on the Game Boy in the early years were kind of like these self-contained like little little side stories like a Link's Awakening or like a Mario Land or something like that. So mm-hmm. pretty significant what happens in this game. So I'm, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give it a four. Maybe it's just because I'm interpreting story differently. Like when I, when I, when I hear story, I think of like a cohesive narrative that's told from start to finish that has very specific plot elements that lead to a climax and then a, and then a resolution. That's, that's generally what I think of when I hear story, like some sort of narrative. Whereas in Metroid 2, like... Again, going back to the atmosphere, I really enjoy the atmosphere of that game. It's creepy. Um, 
it leaves a lot to the imagination. It makes the player ask questions. It gets you invested. But I don't necessarily consider that the story, if that makes sense. And with the you know with the exception of the basic premise, which which I which I agree, the very end of that game where Samus encounters the baby Metroid, which really starts to influence later events. That moment in a bubble is really cool, but that's also like a small part of the story. The story it hold, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Well, I I think that's fair. Because really, like your the story that I'm giving a high mark to takes place in the first five minutes and the last five minutes of this game, and maybe some context in the the manual, you know, in between. So that it's kind of one of those things where like you you kind of make it your own and and what you will of it. But I I think that what you're saying is fair. Like as far as like narrative pacing, there's not really a whole lot. But as far as like a cool premise and execution, I feel like it does a really good job with that. Mm Hmm. Um, well, let's talk about, speaking of pacing, let's talk about pacing and progression. Um, this is kind of like a a weird category, but one, it, it's a it's a category I describe as like, am I always having fun and am I, am I stuck ever and am I ever not having a good time because I can't figure out what to do or like I have to go back and do something tedious that I don't want to do again. So this is, maybe this is kind of like a me thing, but I this is important to me in video games and I'm going to give this a three i think and i have a criticism coming up but i wasn't sure whether to lump it in here or in gameplay so i decided to lump it in gameplay but i feel like at least with this game um you're you're stuck but like it's a small map so like if you are stuck and you don't know where a metroid is you you at least don't have like too far to go to backtrack that being said um i feel like there are some times where like you hit a wall and you're just like, all right, well, I, I don't know where to go. I feel like I've went everywhere. Um, lots of times, a lot of the power-ups in this game are like in really odd locations and it, it can take a minute to get there. So this is a little bit of a mixed bag for me. If, if we had 0.5s here, I'd probably give it a 2.5. But generally speaking, I, I think that this game is kind of small enough and short enough that you should never really be like stuck for too long or that frustrated or anything like that. And you're, you know, the areas that you're exploring are fun. So, yeah, I, I give pacing and progression a three. What say you, Doom? Well, Lil John told me to get low, so I'm getting low. Well, I'm giving this a two for pacing and progression. Um, that that being said, though, I can't, I, again, like, like you stress, you know, this is an old game. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, you know, conventions at the time that, you know, we just hadn't, we hadn't evolved to yet. Hardware limitations and stuff. So I can understand that. You know, Metroid 2 is much more linear than Metroid 1, and it's understandable because it's on a handheld experience. You have to imagine, you know, you know, batteries can only last so long in a game in a Game Boy, and so you know, you have to, you have to find some sort of structure to to accommodate that. And so I can understand those setbacks. That being said, um, the whole game is in black and white, and all the areas look the same. It's real. It gets really repetitive and tedious after a while. Granted, today you can play this game with a walkthrough. You can you, you can uh, download a map online. Uh, I opted I opted to brute force my way like it was uh, like it was ninety two when I played this, and and you know it's the first couple areas I actually don't think is that bad. I think the level design still finds ways. To yep. a cleverly navigate you the way through, and that's and that's why I'm ultimately giving this a two and not a one. But like as you as you go deeper into the game, a lot of the hints just get more vague. It, um, there's a lot of the classic um, 
what what you might call it the um the the invisible the invisible breakable walls that invisible don't walls. yeah yeah that don't show any signs of like weaknesses and so you're basically just like bombing bombing all the floors and wall and now you have the spider ball on top of that so you have to slowly crawl all the actually you know we're getting into uh yeah we're getting into this is more gameplay not so much progression so i'll, I'll save that for so for that but yeah the progression structure yeah. there's that it's also a little more linear than than metroid one and you know me i i prefer i prefer backtracking to multiple areas in metroid and while i understand why they didn't do that for metroid 2 playing it in a bubble i also have to mark it down for that as well in the long term so those are just my thoughts on that yeah i i wonder if i'm even being too generous with a three to be honest because like i i feel like Everything you said, I agree with. Um, so maybe you know what I'm gonna change mine to a two. You've you convinced me to go down. You know the the problem is is that like um, I think that particularly once you hit area three, it just really comes to a halt and like you gotta you gotta go through all the invisible walls and you have the um, kind of like the not the sandy stuff but it's almost like vines and like a lot of that you can just like roll through and there's no indication that you can bomb through it but like you have to roll through to get to a couple of Metroids so. It doesn't really do a grand job of, of saying, like, maybe, you know, maybe try up here or, or is there something in this room. I, I think the Area 3 is particularly bad for that. Um, it just becomes a lot so more, yeah. it becomes a lot more cryptic. And at the same time, the enemies immediately, like, it, it's such a, it's such like a, it's such like a gap in the learning curve. There's like, you're on one level and then all of a sudden the game just leaps to yeah. like a whole other level and if you're not prepared for that, like it can, like it'll catch you off guard super fast. Yeah, and I agree with what you said too. Like I, I feel like area one and two are very, like you're. I never felt lost. I never felt frustrated. Like I was, I was going to everything. I had all the Metroids, and I was, I was well on my way. And I was like, okay, and like I don't mind for this game it being a, you know, less traditional Metroid experience of like this giant world that you're crisscrossing through. I, I think that for the limitations of this, uh, you know, the Game Boy, this worked fine. But yeah, I, I do think that once you hit Area 3 and to a lesser extent Area 4, but yeah, Area 3 to me is where it was just like kind of, it came screeching. And I think this, you know, you kind of mentioned it before. I'm just going to transition into it right now. This kind of goes hand in hand with the, the gameplay yeah. and combat of this game. I think, you know what, for what it is, the combat actually I think is fine. You basically shoot missiles and you shoot beams and that's all you really need to do and later you get the screw attack and i that's mean great. i mean but, it's a significant improvement over metroid one i'll give it that at least yeah yeah definitely gameplay is you know where things get a little bit off the rails so i'm going to give this a two um i think even for back in 1991 i think that you probably could have included a map in this game it's it's incredibly hard to navigate in this game without a map and this gameplay and pacing and progression are so closely tied together um but yeah I, I think that no map really hurts um and i think that there's there's a few instances where using the spider ball is somewhat cumbersome um especially because like you have to press down and then you have to press down again in order to stick and like multiple times and i'm just trying to get into a morph ball mode I end up accidentally using the the spider ball and like crawling instead. I'm like, ah, why am I going so slow? And then I realize that I'm in spider ball. So that's kind of a little bit frustrating. Um, and I feel like the space jump is very finicky in this game. I don't know about you. Oh yeah. hundred percent agree. 
this is probably the worst space jump in the series, I think. Um, I mean, it's the first time it appeared, so, like, it makes sense that it would be the worst. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm going to give it a two. I think no map, no map hurts, and, uh, you know, no... The, the the items needed some finesse and they needed to be refined which of course they were in later installments so like i'm trying not to be too harsh here but you know and and another thing that that just bothers me about this game too which uh i again like i feel like it's not really fair to beat this up but also like you can get the the ice beam you can get the spacer beam you can get the the wave beam whatever but you can't stack any of them mm-hmm. nor can you switch in between them freely? You have to go and basically refine the Chozo statue in order to switch your beams, which is another just kind of like, ah, like this is, this is kind of aggravating. Like I get it. It's a Game Boy game, but I don't know. Maybe I feel like there could have been a pause menu. I'm trying to think and my memory is escaping me, but like, I don't know if Game Boy games really had pause menus back then. So maybe it's not fair to beat up this game for no map and no ability to switch between some of your beams, but I do think that the spider ball implementation, the space jump are definitely things worthy of criticizing. So yeah, I feel bad doing it, but I'm going to give it a two. Hey, you know, you had to do it to him. Uh, I'm going to give it a three though. I'm going to go a little bit easier on the uh, gameplay. Although I do, I do have to rag on that spider ball for a bit because, oh my God, you know, you get the, you get the spider ball and you're thinking like, oh my God, this is the coolest item ever. I can, I can crawl on the walls like Spider-Man. And then like five minutes later, (laughs) you realize just how wrong you were and just how tedious and boring it is. Like, how do you make, like, how do you take such a cool concept and just make it that boring? Now, now, now later, I, I think especially in the Metroid Prime games, the Spider Ball is super awesome. It's one of the coolest. Yeah. It's one of the coolest items. It looks good in action. I think even in uh, Samus Re- Samus Returns, I think the Spider Ball just functions better. It also moves a little bit faster. But, but yeah. Spider Ball, I think there's a good reason that we uh, didn't see much of the Spider Ball after this game because the de- the devs realized like yeah, yeah this this wasn't as cool as we uh, as we envisioned it. But yeah, I um I I do appreciate the game for like you know creating a lot of you know cool staples in the series. You know we talked a little bit about the space jump and while yeah it's finicky and really the timing is super inconsistent on it. Like the fact the fact that he even came up with an idea of an infinite jump, I still think is pretty cool just as a concept in general, and the fact that they were even able to get a rough a rough approximation to that on the Game Boy, like, I, I still think that's a pretty cool technological achievement at that time, so I have an appreciation for stuff like that. You also mentioned the beams, and that's a, that's a super pain in the butt, too, especially, because in, in Metroid 1, it was a pain there, too, but you only had the wave and ice beams, and so, yeah. and so as annoying as it was, you know, you only had this you only had to swap to one of them and you didn't have to like worry about like, Oh, what are the tactical advantages of like, you know, the wave versus the ice beam? Cause you know, once you get to the final area, you specifically need one of the beams. So you don't need to worry about like which one is like, is like the best one. But in this game you have like four or five different beams uh, to swap from. Yeah. 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 Cause you have plasma, spacer, ice and wave. So yeah, you have four different beams. Yeah. You're doubling the amount. And so it just ca- it causes an unnecessary amount of stress and anxiety. So I'm glad I'm glad Super Super just said, you know what, screw it, we're just gonna combine it all together. Don't even worry about it, just enjoy it. And that just makes um, it a or yeah, go on. They don't really make a they don't really make a big deal of the ice beam either with the Metroids. Like it doesn't do any damage to them. 
which obviously they they fixed in uh, or they retconned rather in Samus Returns. Yeah, but yeah. I I was thinking that the ice beam would be more useful than it was. I pretty much just went with the plasma beam the entire game once I got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much. Yeah, I. Yeah, you pretty much only use um, wave and plasma. That's generally what I go with. Spazer mm-hmm. for the limited time you get it, but I, if I remember correctly, you unlock wave pretty soon after it. But yeah, and uh, then... yeah, yeah, you unlock you unlock all of them kind of in and around the same time. Um, yeah, I, I think they're all in area two or maybe early area three for some of them. But yeah, they're they're pretty they're pretty close together. Now, for some reason, I thought plasma was near the end of the game. Maybe I'm just confusing it with super because I know that's one of the last items well, you get there. So they all are at the end of the game. Like I think that there's a Chozo statue in area four for every one of them. So yeah, I, rem- I remember that. Switch. It's like the area yeah, before, but, like, the queen fight. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think Plasma was pretty... I think it was pretty early. Maybe it's in Area 3, and I'm just uh, kind of confusing myself. But I, I feel like I got them kind of... I mean, all the areas the, look uh, the same, same so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah we'll, yeah, we'll get there. And we'll get there. Um, but, yeah, you know, um, I feel like... I feel kind of bad, because, like, I... You know, I, I do think that we should be... I don't know, considerate of when this game came out, and I think that Samus moves fine, and she jumps fine, but some of the items that they implemented just, they don't really hit for me. Um, space Jump, Spider Ball, um, and, and you know, at least the missiles work fine. It's it's a pretty seamless transition to missiles, so I'll give it that. Yeah, I think I think ultimately the reason why I'm giving this a 3 is just because while, the, the you know, the gameplay still has a lot of problems, and you know, not all the ideas really really come to fruition like it still is ultimately in my opinion at least like a significant improvement over metroid one i mean just adding mm-hmm. i mean just adding the ability to shoot while falling down like that that alone like just solves so many problems that the first metroid had and so mm-hmm. it's it's something so simple and it just takes it like this huge unnecessary um uh, I'm not even. I don't even know the word I'm looking for. Like it, it, it makes it. It simplifies the game so much for the better. Yeah, I, I think that shooting feels better than it does a Metroid for sure. Absolutely. Um. So that yeah, at least there's that. You know. Okay, let's move on to items and abilities here. I'm gonna let you go first because I I'm like still kind of torn on what my score should be here because I have two different trains of thought. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say, Doom. I mean, we kind of already talked about this, but like I said, um, you know, I, I'm more I'm more going off this on the new on the new abilities introduced because the old items for the most part function pretty much exactly the same as they did in Metroid One, but the new items, you know, I think this game introduced you know some of the coolest items that would eventually become staples like the space jump, plasma beam, um, the screw attack functions exactly the same, but it looks way cooler than it did in the first Metroid game. And it get, gave it kind of that iconic, almost lightning, electri- electricity kind of look to it. Whereas in the first Metroid, it kind of just glowed different colors. So just mm-hmm. e- so even like little um, aesthetic aesthetic choices that they decided to go towards carried over into future entries. And so I really like that as well. Um, but yeah, I- I'm going to give this a three as well. I actually have four listed on here, but like actually talking about this out loud, I have to change that to a three, I think. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so I think you convinced me to keep my score what it was. I had it as a 3 as well. And I I do think that while this game doesn't have... I feel like it doesn't have, like, a ton of 
of power-ups. But I mean, I guess like looking at it contextually, um, you look at the Metroid, like the NES Metroid power-ups, you really only have missiles, you have the screw attack, you have a couple different beams, and that's pretty the much various it. Suit. And obviously, the various suit, yeah. So this game has everything that Metroid does, but it adds two more beams, it adds the space jump, it adds the spring ball, which is like the most underrated. Oh, I forgot about the spring ball. Ever. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that that oh my gosh, that makes that makes morph ball puzzles and bombing puzzles like so much quicker. It it makes using the spider ball like significantly easier too, because then you can jump and then stick in midair. So that's mm-hmm. that's a good uh use. That that is such an underrated item in in metroid though like every game like that is just like one of my favorite ability not having to wait to lay a bomb it really helps speed up the game especially in this game with how long bombs take to detonate like compared to like modern entries where they detonate almost instantly like oh it's such yeah. oh it's it's such a such a godsend yeah so shout out to the to the spring ball you don't get enough love but we're gonna give you some love on this show today um yeah i mean some of the items i think are are clumsy like the space jump and the spider ball so like you know, it's, uh, I, I didn't want to go any higher than a three, but, you know, I, I think that it did a pretty good job of introducing, like you said, some series staples. Um, you know, I mean, it introduced, uh, the plasma beam, it introduced the, I think it was the wave beam, maybe not, maybe it was another beam. Oh, uh, the spacer. Uh, something that Metro did. The spacer. The spacer, yeah. yes, thank you. Um, and it got rid of the long shot, or the long beam or whatever from Metroid, which is a stupid power-up, so... That's kind of cool, but yeah, um, I think a three is appropriate. Yeah, not not like not like anything out of this world, but it did it it had some good concepts and ideas more than the actual execution. But again, trying to just like give it a little bit of you know leeway because you know it's thirty years old. So well, even even the space jump, like for all you know for all the um you know all the times I'm ragging on it, like the fact that they were evil. The fact that they were even able to do something like that on the Game Boy, I still think is like pretty incredible. Just the look and feel of it, and everything mm-hmm. that they, that they were even able to realize a fraction of that potential on that cartridge, I I think is pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, I I can I can appreciate that, and I think I can agree with that as well. Um, all right, let's talk about areas. So areas are such an important part of Metroid for me. And I think even, like, even the NES Metroid game did a pretty good job of, like, making Brinstar feel different from uh, Norfair, which feels different from Torian. Of course, a big part of that is the ability to have color. So this game is inherently at a big disadvantage, and my score, I think, reflects that. So I'm going to give this a 2. But I will say that I think that it did a pretty good job with what it had, but this is where the limitations of the Game Boy, I think just like really, really show themselves. Like, you know, every, every background is just black. So it all looks the same. Um, there's a lot of the same looking platforms. There's a lot of the same looking foliage, uh, you know, throughout the entire game. I will say that if you go to what we know as the Chozo temple or the golden temple and the hydro station, you can see, like, you can see those areas, if you've played AM2R in particular, like, you can see, like, okay, this is the Hydro Station, and this is the Golden Temple, and you can, you can see the idea for that there, but it's definitely not fully fleshed out, it wasn't able to be fully fleshed out, because, you know, this is where, like I said, the hardware limitations just really hold it back, all the areas start to blend together, 
Um, if it wasn't for the music, which we'll talk about later, this would just feel like the exact same rooms over and over and over and over again. So I think that, uh, I think that a two is as high as I can go. I think area three and four in particular are a little bit drab, particularly area three, actually, because that just feels like just a retread of everything that you've already been through before. So I, I wish that I could give it a higher score, but I just, I can't. I think a two is what it has to be. Uh, well, I'm going to be a little bit meaner than you. I'm going to give this the lowest possible grade. I'm giving this a one. <laughs> all the areas look exactly the same, or at least almost yeah. do. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, you know, this actually like kind of goes into um, what we were talking about earlier um, regarding the pacing, how... You know, we we both seem to agree that areas one and two have the best pacing. Like, the, the areas, they don't hold your hand, but at the same time, it still feels like the level design is intuitively letting the player know on how to traverse everything. But then once you get to area three, it feels like all that just goes out the window. And I feel like you yeah. can especially see that um, with the actual area design as well. Because, you know, like like you mentioned, you know, the golden tempo and the, hy and the hydro station... You know, it's not entirely sure if that's exactly what the, de the devs were going for, but you can see unique elements that could, you know, that may that you could totally see like, oh, I could see how this could, you know. Yeah, it had, they, like at least there's water. They, they, in have, the they have distinct features. You know, you have, you know, you have these Chozo artifacts in the first area and in the second area you have all these pipes and especially that one long vertical pipe that you can uh, spider ball down in the puzzle that is also an AM2R which is a really cool nod, but, mm -hmm. but yeah, after that, like, I can't really think of like any distinctive features in any of the other areas, except for the, uh, the sand pits and then maybe, um, the sand pits and then like spikes, but like that isn't enough to like make an area feel distinct. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's funny that you say the sand pits. Cause I guess that is kind of a big defining trait of area three and like i literally just played this game last night and i forgot about the sand pits because like it just <laughs> it looked well it just looks like everything else and i'm like all right were, weren't those in area two when you got the wave beam or like and i think they were so yeah i think that area three is really kind of when it starts to come off the rails and i wonder if that's like i wonder if that's like an intentional thing like i i, I don't know this is a crazy i don't like sand maybe a, a crazy idea but like i wonder if like back in the day <laughs> Nintendo was like, all right, people aren't going to finish this game. Make the first couple levels look great. And like the kids will get stuck and restart or whatever. I don't know. But I, I feel like the, I feel like area one and two are definitely more fleshed out than area three and four, unfortunately. So yeah, um, I, I think that when you get to the Queen Metroid, that, that little area is kind of cool and like it, it looks neat, but it's just, uh, yeah, these, these all blend together. There is... I think that the black in the background is kind of a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because it makes it feel intense and ominous, but like it's a curse because it just blends everything together. Um, which, which is too bad because you know, all these different areas in Metroid are such a, a hallmark of the series and what the series would become. But I, you know, we've said it a million times on the show. You gotta, you gotta work with what you have. And the game boy, unfortunately didn't have a lot to work with. So um, really, I mean, you can see, you can see in later games, Sam's Returns AM2R that, you know, uh, an expansion of the idea. And I think that that's like, uh, much more, 
I'm, I'm glad that they were able to go back and do that because I feel like the, the thought was probably there, but just the technology wasn't. Yeah, even in Samus Returns, uh, while it doesn't have that same uh, vertical pipe that AM2R has, that area is also like heavily watered theme, you know, with the uh, underground dams in the background. And so I definitely think, mm. I definitely think that that was like a theme that the devs were going for in the original, at least for Area Two. Yeah, well, it's 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 a, it's a low one for us, unfortunately. But what can you do? Um, let's move on to enemies and bosses. I am interested to hear what you think, because I, I feel like, again, I'm kind of on the fence about this. So um, I think the designs are really cool. I think there's a lot of variety in the designs. You know, we were talking about this earlier in the art direction and how we really enjoy the pixel art, because there's a lot of very few of the enemies are reused. The only enemy that's really reused is that original uh, Metroid, that first Metroid form that you encounter near the end of the game. Everything else is a completely new design. Uh, even Samus herself as a brand is um was completely rebuilt from the ground up in terms of like of like how she was going to be presented in sprite form. And so I mm. and so that's really cool. But in terms of uh what's what's the I, I guess tactical variance is is what I'm trying to say. The the tactical variance in the enemies, there isn't really that much difference. With the exception of the Metroids, but the problem there, and this kind of goes back into um, you know, the gameplay, you know, the gameplay design of that game and the ultimate flaws of the hardware, but because you're fighting the Metroids so much, like even that manages to get repetitive, despite the fact that the Metroids yeah. act and behave so much differently than the typical enemies do. And so, uh, l long story short, I'm going to have to give this a two as well, just because, and again, under understand the hardware limitations, you know, we've been saying that nonstop throughout this episode, but I mean... The reality is the reality. Like, it just, it gets very... The Metroid 2, as much as I love it, it is a very repetitive game. And repetition, yeah. repetition can be good um, in some cases, but if it's overdone, if it, it, get, it gets overdone to the point where it doesn't become a surprise, it just becomes something you're expected, I think it loses a lot of that luster. And I think that is a great summary of Metroid 2 in general, for myself at least. Yeah, yeah, I think that that is fair. Um, I give it a two as well. Um, it's, like you said, I think that there are a lot of cool enemies in this game. Um, maybe not a lot, but like the enemies that are in the game, I think are, are pretty cool. They, you know, they, they feel like classic Metroid enemies, but as far as like bosses go, like you, you think of Metroid Prime and you think of some great bosses in that in that game, or you think of Super Metroid or Metroid Fusion. Those games have like, really awesome bosses and you look at this game and you know you're looking at all the metroids and you do have the legend arachnus show up my so boy I will, I will say that this guy shows up and he's awesome and it's actually a really cool fight with like you have to morph ball yeah you have to get in the morph ball and you have to bomb him that's a cool fight but it's like super super optional you can go throughout this game without getting the spring ball he which is what you get when you defeat arachnus you, you don't need that for this game, so you don't need to fight uh, Arachnus in this game. So I, I would imagine that the typical player playing this game goes without fighting that uh, boss battle. So, like, literally, you're just fighting uh, an Alpha Metroid 17 times, a Gamma Metroid 14 times, four Zeta Metroids, and four Omega Metroids, and then you get to the Queen. Ooh, so, he memorized the talking points. <laughs> 
Uh, no, I, I wish I did. I, I quickly looked it up so that I could sound smarter than I am. But yeah, I mean, like you said, like that's, you know, that's pretty, that's a lot of Metroids that you're fighting over and over and over again. And I think that in Samus Returns, they at least introduced like some melee moves to make these fights a little bit more interactive and a little bit more intuitive. And in both AM2R and in Samus Returns, they also realized like, man, we got a lot of Metroid fights in this game. So like, we had boss fights like, uh, you know, like the Diggernaut or like uh, Ceres or like the Flying Torizo or whatever, like something to kind of break that up. Whereas this is, I mean, it's Metroid, 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 and Metroid. And most of those Metroid fights are pretty much the same. I think the Omega Metroid is a little bit different. He flies around um, and can cause a little bit of damage, but like the Alpha, the, um, the Gamma, and the Zeta Metroid fights are like, pretty close to being the same fight um mm-hmm. the queen metroid is a good boss battle i feel like but again not it's one it's uh, one out of like 40 bosses in the game it's a bit it's yeah. a bit late for that well and, and even even that one is like i feel i feel like it's just okay because like all you're doing is just standing beside the uh the wall and just pumping it with missiles whereas like in am2r you are you're kind of moving back and you have to shoot all these different things and you do the same thing in Samus Returns and there's obviously power bombs and stuff and it's not fair to compare those obviously but you know it's it it just it is what it is it's one good Metroid fight out of 40 and really other than Arachnus there's not much else like if you don't you know if you're sick of fighting Metroids after the fifth one it's like you're guess what buddy like that's the game (laughs) a lot more to go yeah so this is uh this is a two for me um i and i think that you know again we've we've said it so many times like this is a limitation of the hardware i don't think you would ever see a game like samus returns now where like you have to do the same fight over and over and over and over again so even samus returns even samus returns tries to dwindle that a little bit with the um alpha metroids because there's two types of alpha metroids actually that you fight in the game there's the standard ones and then there's like this fire variant that you know it's still fun. Oh, yeah. It still functions largely the same, but it has you know slightly different attack patterns. Does a little bit more damage. It has a different appearance, and so it it at least tries to make. It even tries to take that and make that a little bit more dynamic. And then A and two R, um, in A and two R's case, they just um they just try to they don't really uh change up the actual variants that much, but they put them in different scenarios and put them in unique rooms that change up the fire like like um some of them you're in water like just different yeah different scenarios a lot of close quarters gamma metroid fights i (laughs) i gotta replay aim2r again that's such a good game such a such a good game i have it on my phone actually nice nice yeah yeah Um, there's the uh, new patch that's coming out that should be dropping soon as well i i feel like aim2r added like a a ton of other bosses too like they it had that really awesome ancient guardian fight the saris like I mentioned, um, it had uh, Flying I mean, Arachnus is back in that, which is cool. The Flying Chorizo is one of my favorite boss battles in the series, actually. That's, like, such an awesome fight. And it had that, what was that thing called? Like, the giant, uh, the thing that you fight the in the tester, tower. The tester, around. the tester. Yeah. The bullet hell boss. I love that thing. <laughs> yeah. So, like, AM2R has, like, a lot of stuff going on to kind of break that up. Whereas, you know, this game is just Metroid, 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 Metroid. So yeah, it's 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 obviously not fair to compare, but that's just the reality of the situation. So yeah, these are these are some twos, unfortunately. And I've got another 
damper score to drop on our next category, my friend. Um, so one of my favorite, favorite things to do in Metroid is sweep the board, get 100% items, 100% energy tanks, missiles, all of that stuff. I'm giving this game a one in the category of expansions and collectibles and extras. There is like, I don't know, 10 or so like things to pick up in this game. Uh, maybe there's more missiles than that, but like, I feel like they're, they're not very fun to get They're A lot of, a lot of the expansions in this game require you to like, just get in spider ball form and like roll along a wall and bomb random things until eventually you find a tunnel that you can roll through. Um, I barely got any energy tanks in my playthrough. This is again, very much hampered by lack of map. But I feel like there's not really a lot to collect that's optional or extra. There's not really much incentive to do so. And there's just not... There's there's not a lot. And that's unfortunate because I feel like, again, in both remakes of this game, there is a lot of really cool expansions and a lot of really cool collectibles that you can go out of your way to get. Um, not fair to compare, but I, I think... I don't know. There, there's just really... There's not a lot to do other than just progress. This probably, again... Is probably a limitation of the hardware that it's on, but for me, that's one of my favorite things to do in a Metroid game, and this one is, like, way lacking. Took the words right out of my mouth. This is one of the few Metroid games that I never even... I'll probably never 100% Metroid 2, honestly. It's the only Metroid game where I've just had no desire to. Uh, maybe with the exception... Maybe that in NES Metroid as well. I haven't 100% of that either. But every, but every single other Metroid game, I've 100%ed at least once in my time. And most of them, I usually go for 100% every time that I go through. But Metroid 2, I just, I have absolutely no desire to do that whenever I, um, whenever I play through that game. And it's for pretty much all the reasons you listed out. Almost, the vast majority of the expansion puzzles just involve you getting into Spider-Ball mode, which we, as we talked about earlier, the Spider-Ball sucks <laughs> in this game. It's just not, it's just not fun to use the Spider-Ball in this game. And that's and that's pretty much every every puzzle. Go into Spider Ball, slowly crawl up the wall, bomb bomb the walls, but make sure that the bomb isn't too close to you so that you don't fall off and have to start all over oh. again. Yeah. <laughs> bomb it. Make sure that you hit something, and then once something does open, slowly go into the hole. See if there's actually anything there, or it could just be something to bait you to waste your time because the game the game likes to troll you and do that as well, and it's just it's it's just not fun. I, I think Super Metroid is like really where the series really finds its stride with fun item solving puzzles, especially with the speed booster, which is my yeah. that's my favorite Metroid item period, both 2D and 3D, but also not very relevant to this discussion. Yeah, well, I mean, Super Metroid is where the series like just really leveled up. Like it, it, that might as well have been the first Metroid game in a lot of aspects mm -hmm. because like that's where. You know, that's where we went from like 15 to 100 miles an hour. It, so It quite literally goes from 0 to 100 in Super Metroid. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I I wish that there was more, you know, incentive or a, a, a more fun way, I guess I'm trying to think of a better way to say it, but like a more fun way to go and find some of these expansions. If you had a map, that would help. If you had a better use of the spider ball, that would help. If there were just more of them and like, you kind of got into the groove and saying like, oh yeah, I'm so close. Maybe I'll just finish off and whatever. That would help. But I feel like all of them kind of, kind of like fail each other here. So, and as we talked really, or sorry, go on. Yeah. No, I was just, it's not really much, much incentive, you know? And as we were talking about earlier in areas, you know, after area two, because you know, all of the environments blend together, like 
like traversing the environments isn't fun like not only is getting the items not fun but you don't even want to traverse getting even getting to the puzzle that you ha that you don't want to solve is work just navigating yeah. through the environment so it just feels like a lose-lose and it's just like you know what i just 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 take me to the queen i'll i'll, I'll do it with three energy tanks why not it can't well, <laughs> and the thing too is like just by the structure of metroid 2 is like getting to those like couple areas is really tough so like if you missed a missile upgrade in area one and you're in area four like you get a you're gonna backtrack all the way back you're gonna jump space jump with that finicky space jump and go back and get it like i i don't think so so you know we had fast travel we had the pipe systems and the remakes which i think alleviated a lot of that pressure but yeah i mean if, if you miss something it's like do i really want to go all the way back and get it so is what it is but that's uh that's a couple ones right there um but i always like to save this category for last because i feel like there really isn't a metroid game that doesn't offer a quality uh experience with music and sound design so let's end on that doom we got music and sound design i'm gonna give this a four and you know i know that it's i know that it's dated and I know that these have been remixed into, like, you know, better, more fleshed-out themes and Samus Returns and AM2R. But, man, like, you listen to, like, the, um, you listen to the surface of SR388 theme, that sounds awesome. You listen to the Golden Temple theme, that sounds awesome. I think that the, um, the Queen Metroid theme is, like, very creepy and very ominous. The fight with the Metroids, I think, is is really good and, and sounds, uh, you know, pretty intense for, for what it is. Um, the sound effects in this game too, I absolutely love because they're like the classic Game Boy sound effects. Like even when you press pause, it's like that, like the outer space kind of sound or whatever. Like, I think that that sounds so good. Um, I really dig the music in this game. I think that they did such a good job with, um, with all the tracks. And I, I think that it still holds up today. You know, chip tune is like still a big thing. So I don't even, I think that you could listen to the soundtrack today in 2021 and appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, I really love the soundtrack and what they were able to accomplish like 30 years ago, which is crazy. So I'm going to give this a four. Well, you mentioned that, um, pretty much all Metroid games have excellent music and sound design. And, and to that, I say, uh, don't forget Andy, at some point you are going to have to do uh, a ranking of Federation force, but that aside, I was, think, I was thinking that as I said that. I was like, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> um, that aside, yeah, I absolutely love uh, love the music in this game. Obviously, um, you know, uh, for those who follow who follow my work, you know that I've uh, remastered the Metroid Two soundtrack, the uh, first ever surround sound remaster of this game. So uh, check that out on my YouTube channel at Duminal Crossing if you want to check that out. And, uh, yeah, I absolutely love the music in this game. Uh, Surface of SR388 Main Tunnel, that is a top 10 all-time Metroid theme, and I will not be taking any dissent on that. Absolutely incredible. Uh, Ryoji Yoshitomi just absolutely hit it out of the park with this. I'm also going to give it a 4 as well. Um, one of my favorite, one of my favorite pieces of, because like there, there's so much to choose from, whether it's the actual like melodic pieces or whether it's the, uh, the ambient pieces that, you know, enhance that environmental storytelling in the areas like, like you like the, the area, like the uh, area one theme, for example, you know, it's just bleeps and bloops. It's not really something you're going to listen to on your own, but in the context of the game, like it adds so much to that unique, um, that unique 
uh, atmosphere that the game provides. And even and uh, Samus Returns even references some of those bleeps and bloops occasionally uh, in some of the more melodic tracks. So I thought that was a really cool touch added by uh, Daisuke Matsuoka. But one of my but going back to what I was saying, um, one of my favorite tracks has to be the uh, the title theme actually. Um, listening yeah. listening to that title theme for the first time just blew me away because it starts it starts off with that kind of creepy it kind of you know a lot of a lot of the philosophy used in this game seems to be ripped right from uh, uh, Hirokazu Tanaka's original intentions from the first Metroid which for those who don't know he and you know Tanaka-san talked about this in interviews um, when talking about the production of, the, of NES Metroid but he wanted the soundtrack to feel like it was a living breathing creature almost that the um that the um, that the di- that the diegetic atmosphere of the game would combine with the non-diegetic atmosphere of the music to make something that would almost bridge the gap between the two, and I feel like um, Yoshitomi-san took that in- with a step further with Metroid 2's soundtrack, and it especially shines for me in that title theme because it starts with like these haunting, like it almost the this it almost feels like the music is an actual Metroid because you because you have these these high pitched and then you have like these gross almost organic sound like i kind of like kind of like um it almost feels like a retro kind of feels like what yamamoto would later do with the metroid prime theme now that now that i'm like actually you know Mm. talking about this out loud and really connecting the dots i I wonder if he was influenced by the metroid 2 title but you have that and then it develops into this absolutely beautiful um, a melodic structure. It starts using more major chords, and then it hits with that climactic finale. The dun 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 dun, and it almost feels and, like this that's epic the part space that everyone event. Will yeah. recognize. Yeah, and like, to, to, I'm glad you brought that up actually, because I I should have brought that up as well. Because like, when you fire up this game and you hear the title theme, the first like 20 seconds, it's it's just kind of like a series of slow beeps. So like, you're probably inclined to just be like, all right, let's just get to the game. But like, if you actually stop and like give it 30 seconds to get going it's it's really really awesome and like it's been remade in am2r and it sounds awesome there but like man it's still it still just sounds so good even using you know the chiptune processor i don't don't even know if this is 8-bit or whatever but it just it's really really good yeah yeah a lot of the music in this game like it still holds up for me today and again like my attachment for this music has nothing to do with nostalgia. Like, I really got into this game, like, once I was in high school. Once I was already, like, well into the Metroid series. But, like, it's just, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. Um, go out of your way to to listen to, I think especially, like, the Surface theme is really, I, I think that that's, like, an iconic Metroid theme. Uh, I remember Dak saying that he didn't think that that was an iconic theme, but... I think that that's like one of the better themes in Metroid. Actually, top I, ten for me. I, I remember responding. Title theme is awesome. I remember responding to that comment. So I believe I kind of agreed with both of you because on one because on one hand, like I think it's iconic in the Metroid community. Like if you like if you ask everyone in the Metroid community, like even if you haven't played Metroid Two, people know that Surface theme. But I feel like outside of the Metroid community, not many people would recognize it. And so I think that's where I I, I feel like the enlightened centrist sitting somewhere in the middle of that. But yeah, like uh, like I said, I think outside the Metroid community, I don't know that there's a lot of themes that people <laughs> would recognize, except for whatever's in Smash. Yeah, right. Which is a crime that that isn't in Smash, by the way. Right. I was I was shocked, like especially because like we got some Samus Returns tracks in Smash. I would have assumed at least, you know, that version of the Surface theme, which is also really good, by the way. But 
but yeah, that original that original surface theme, like easily like a top ten favorite of mine. Yeah, the title theme is awesome. The uh, I, I it's interesting to me because I tweeted out a couple of days ago that like the Golden Temple theme from AM2R is like one of my favorite Metroid tracks, and it's interesting because if you listen to the Temple theme in this game, you can you can hear it if if you try. I, I don't know. Like, obviously, they expanded on that so much and, and made it into a, a much better theme at AM2R. But, like, the, the skeleton of that theme is there. But it's it's interesting to see how, like, that musical evolution goes. And, like, I don't know anything about music, but I, I thought that it was, like, pretty cool to hear that and just see, like, okay, this is this is where it came from and this is the original idea. So, yeah, I, I thought that that was pretty cool. Well, a lot of the progression of the music in AM2R is actually heavily influenced by Metroid Prime. Gwasi's talked about this in a few of the interviews he did. Um, and I believe, uh, I believe, uh, Torby, he was another person that worked on the soundtrack. He's the one that did Ancient Power specifically. He composed that theme, which is my, that's my favorite track from AM2R. But, um. Which is another banger. Yeah, absolutely. Way. Yeah, yeah. AM, AM2R, another game with just filled the brim with incredible music. So, yeah. Yep, there we go. Um, all right, well, we are, we are at the end of our journey here, um, talking about Metroid 2. Return of Samus, released in November 1991. Absolutely unbelievable. This this bad boy is almost 30 years old. It's going to be 30 in just a couple months. And, you know, we kind of dogged on it in a couple categories. And, you know, we, we beat it up here and there. But I think for the most part, it still holds up pretty well. Is there a reason to go play it now that Samus Returns and AM2R exists? I don't, I don't know. Maybe. Um... For me personally, I, I have a lot of complex thoughts on it. For me, for me personally, like as a fan, despite how much I ragged on this game, like I still really like it. I still think that you know, again, there's so much uniqueness about Metroid Two that even that even AM2R, which is my second favorite Metroid game of all time, even AM2R doesn't fully recapture that original atmosphere that Metroid Two does. And while it has a lot of faults, I do appreciate those unique quirks as well as the stuff that it did introduce that would later become refined in later entries. And so I think it's a really important piece of Metroid history. That being said, I would, for newcomers to the series, I would never in my right mind recommend uh, playing this as your introduction to Metroid 2. I will always recommend either Samus Returns or AM2R to scratch that itch. And that if you like those games, I think revisiting this game um, is, yeah. is something is something you should do if you if you are into the remakes. It's definitely something I think that everyone should at least at least give a shot at least check it out you know i think that's a good way to put it actually i like i wouldn't recommend that somebody play this over either of those games but i i do think that it has its merits and i do think that if you're a metroid fan you should play it um if you're listening to this and you've never played it and you've only played the remakes you know it's like i said it's like five bucks to to go hop on the nintendo 3ds eShop and just download this or maybe by god even we'll have it on nintendo switch online in september if the rumors proved to be true or not but yeah i think that it's a worthwhile experience and i think that it's like i don't know it's it, it, it is an important part of metroid history with the baby metroid has set up so much for what was to come and you know it's been you know it's been remade once by nintendo once by fans so obviously there's some merit in this game so yeah i, I think that it's uh i think that it still holds up fairly well obviously it's not going to be uh outdoing either of the remakes but if you're, you know, if you're into exploring where the series has been and where it started, I think that you could really do worse than spending a couple hours playing 
Return of Samus. So, and it's much easier to play in 2021 than back then because you do have maps online, you have uh, walkthroughs and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I think that overall, well, you know, the score of this game and our final scores isn't going to be on the higher end of Metroid games. For for contextually speaking, for 30 years ago, I think this is a much better game than Metroid for the NES. Oh, absolutely! It's a like NES Metroid is like. The second, it's it's not at the bottom of my list, that's Federation Force, but, like, right before that is NES Metroid. Like, I appreciate, I appreciate the heck out of NES Metroid, but, like, just, it's so difficult to play today, even with maps and save states. Like, it's such a slog to play through. Metroid 2, despite its problems, I still think is ultimately fun at the end, despite, despite the issues I have with it, and it offers a unique you know, a, the this unique atmosphere that no other Metroid game has really recaptured since then. And so I will always appreciate Metroid 2 for that. Um, all in all, because we've we've now ranked Prime 2, Fusion, and this, I believe. Have we ranked anything else in the Omega Metroid podcast? Not yet. And this is... I think this is going to be sitting at the lowest... Yeah, same, so same far, for me. For sure. my, my order... I imagine your order is going to be Prime 2, Fusion, Metroid 2. For me, it's going to be Fusion, Prime 2, Metroid 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, I, you know, and it would be, I would love, if God, I would love if they remade Fusion so that we could get some of those quality of life changes. But, I mean, that's a show for another day. But, yeah, this is going to be sitting at the bottom. I'm sure that when we rank Samus Returns and AM2R, both of those are going to be higher on my list. But I do think that it is worth going back and you know revisiting where this concept came from and uh it's only going to cost you what like four or five hours out of your life so you could do worse absolutely all right well we we are going to get out of here we're going we are going long but i had a good time doom thanks for uh thanks for coming on and talking some metroid 2 with me man hey no problem you know i always love a good excuse to talk about some metroid you know well, uh, you guys listening out there, make sure to check Doom out on Twitter at Cross, and you can check the show out as well while you're there at Omega Metroid Pod, and I am at Spateri316. And of course, we are all over wherever you get your podcasts Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, you name it, we're there. Go like and subscribe, recommend us to that Metroid fan in your life. Uh, until next week, everybody, we will see you then. Take care.